Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, uh, we want to check in with uh, the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland, Tyg Daly. You'll remember that we had a number of chats with him during the height of uh, the COVID pandemic. And uh, we also have Donna McCarthy, who runs Riverbrook Nursing and Respite Home here in Limerick. And you're both very welcome. And um, Tyg is a Corkman. I presume you have something to say to, to Limerick listeners. Um, oh, absolutely. I was uh, pleased to be in attendance on Sunday to see such a, an awesome performance. Oh, absolutely. Congratulations to Limerick. But like all good rebels, I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be back again at some stage. Maybe not in the near future watching watching that Limerick team, but congratulations to Limerick. Yeah, an absolutely awesome performance. Yeah, and to be fair to Cork, I mean, they had a very decent season. I know underage, you've had a couple of All-Irelands under the belt already this year. And getting to that final um, was an achievement in and of itself. And to be honest, they wouldn't have played as well maybe as they would have hoped to have played. But it wasn't necessarily they played badly, just Limerick had one of those days. Absolutely, one of those days indeed, John. As I said, just was a, a pure, complete performance. I remember looking at the, the clock, 17 minutes, no wise, and just, uh, you know, it was a performance. But yeah. Yeah. Big, big loyal, eh? big, big loyal, eh? absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Donna, what about you? Yeah, I made it to the match myself. My six-year-old son went up. Uh, tickets were hard got, and what? Um, oh, you know, what an experience! Just, just unbelievable. And to be able to to hold even a six-year-old's attention um, for the duration of a match as the the goals and the points just rained in, it was um, it was just remarkable. What a what a memory to have uh, for myself and himself to be able. Yeah, and I suppose for both of you, with all the stresses and strains of the last 18 months, it was uh, great, to, great to get Absolutely. there. No, no question. Without, without a doubt. Um, but back to business, as they say. And uh, mm-hmm. Tyg, um, there were recommendations made uh, in a, a particular report. Um, and I think um, Brian McHenry from uh, Limerick um, was involved in it. Um, because I remember interviewing him about it a few months ago. And this is about reform of the nursing home sector. But you're waiting and wondering about what's going to happen. Yeah, I suppose our concern, Joe, is that, you know, what we've been through over the last 18 months has illuminated many of the, the challenges in the sector that we have been raising and others over a long number of years. And yes, the government uh, looked at an expert panel. Their recommendations were published actually over one year ago, the 19th of August, uh, 2020. And um, I suppose our concern is that many of the, what we would call the key structural reforms are not being addressed at the speed we would like at all. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, a lot has happened. Uh, you know, there's ongoing collaboration um, and kind of what we would term operational issues. But in terms of the key structural reforms, uh, we are very, very concerned. And we engaged Accenture to do a piece ourselves. And they looked at three issues. And the, the three issues really are, I suppose, the integration of the sector, the whole issue of, of funding and resourcing, uh, and the issue of workforce. So th- they're key, three key pieces that we do need to hold government to account to. Um, so that we can all learn the lessons of COVID, obviously, and, and ensure that we have a, a sustainable, high-quality residential care sector into the future. Right. And Donna, I mean, what's your take on all of it? I suppose there's three important words uh, in summary from a nursing home owner's point of view, and the three words are funding, funding, funding. Um, we have the National Treatment Purchase Fund who um, dictate what we're allowed to charge, and they um, would do a lot of wringing of hands and saying, oh, there's nothing we can do. We have no money. We can't um, pay you anymore. And we have HICWA, who are our regulators. And um, HICWA will, will present you with all manner of hoops for jumping through. Um, and um, all those hoops require 
you know, spending. Of course they do. Um, so when you said, hey, can I, oh, sure, look, what's that going to cost? That could cost 10,000, 20,000, 50,000. It's kind of throw the hands up in the air. Well, this is how it is. You know, you have to spend it and that's it. And you will return them to the treatment purchase fund and say, look, we're negotiating our, you know, our rate for the next three years or whatever it happens to be. And they'll say, oh, sure, that's, um, that's nothing to do with us. Sure, we're just paying for bed and board. So in essence, that's what they pay for is bed and board. So um, there's no allowance for, um, say, like the entertainment coordinators and activities coordinators that every nursing home must have, and rightly so. Um, physiotherapy, you know, allied things like that. None of those are, are paid for in by the National Treatment Purchase Fund. It is physically bed and board is what they're paying for. And there's such a disparity then between what, for example, you take St. Camillus's um, in Limerick or St. Isles in Limerick, which be household names really to people. You know, what they're able to harvest financially from the government for the beds that their residents occupy um, is completely at variance to what private nursing homes are able to harvest from um, the National Treatment Purchase Fund, and our our. I mean, so this our, is all about uh, private versus public. It is like realistically. I mean, just from ourselves, for example. I mean, our insurance um, was twenty four thousand four hundred euros last year, and this year it's thirty five and a half thousand euros. That's ten thousand euros of an increase, being in a twelve month period, just like that. The previous year, so two thousand and nineteen, it was seventeen thousand, and prior to that was about eight thousand. So over a four-year period, we've gone from eight to thirty-five thousand, just that like that. That is extraordinary. Yeah, just literally at the stroke of a pen. And look, there's an element of um, you know supply and demand as well. There's not many insurance companies providing in the market, um, and like obviously, when there's not many providers, the cost obviously will, will go up. But in any of our negotiations or any nursing home, I could be aware and confirm, like there is no. It, it, it seems to be a very well set up system with the government. So you have a regulator on one side, um, you know, presenting all these hoops to jump through and cracking a whip, and they've nothing to do with the finances. And then the financial side of it has nothing to do with the regulation. Um, and, you know, the HSE are well documented for decades as being very efficient at wasting money and wasting resources. And the nursing homes have stood up to the mark over the last year and a half, two years for this, this COVID. And the vast majority of nursing homes have really shown that they're capable of, you know, efficiencies, they're capable of rolling up their sleeves and making things happen. Um, but unfortunately, the, right. the government just aren't playing ball from their point of view. Yeah, we're trying to Donna McCarthy from Riverbrook Nursing and Respite and Ty Daly, who is CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland. Um, at the bottom line here, Ty, surely, is that this needs to be person-centred and that, you know, the truth of the matter is that um, it is part of the long-term solution to an ageing population here. Um, and at the same time, there's probably a little bit of wariness because of what's happened over the pandemic and some of the publicity that you'd be well aware of that some nursing homes got. And at the same time, then, you are worried about funding and structural reform. Yeah, I mean, ultimately what we have is we have an ageing population, absolutely, as you say. And we should be celebrating that fact. I mean, sometimes the narrative can be quite uh, ageist, you know, not to put a fine point in it about. So we have an ageing population. We need a whole range of services. We need home care, daycare, respite, um, housing uh, with care and, and, and residential care. And whether we like it or not, that, that there are resource implications. Uh, and that's going to cost us as a society uh, significantly more into the future. But as Donna has just said there, the private and voluntary sector has shown itself to be efficient, to be agile, um, but also 
um, you know, to be responsive to care needs. And you're 100% right. It is about being resident-focused. And that's the key to it ultimately. It should be, the, the, the funding mechanism must be based on the care requirements of the individual, irrespective of where they reside, whether it's public, private, or voluntary. And that was one of the key recommendations of the, the Fair Deal Pricing Review. I mean, that review was commenced in 2015, would you believe? Uh, it was published just uh, on the, the, the Friday of the bank holiday weekend in June of this year. So six years later, and in, in, in classic style, uh, what they've said is they need, they need more time. Now, I suppose what we've got to do is, is make sure that the lessons from the pandemic uh, and that the uh, expert panel recommendations don't just become another report sitting on a, sitting on a shelf. So yeah. the government, by, by, by virtue of the fact that they have undertaken a review of the fair deal, they understand that there are significant challenges there. And as Donna has said, the disconnect between, on the one hand, the regulator, and on the other hand, the pricing is absolutely key. Yeah, I mean, and the other concern, you know, there are people listening this morning who might think that for them this is a long way away, but it may involve their parents, um, for example, quite imminently. But would you be concerned that as we hopefully emerge from the pandemic and all the reviews and inquiries begin, that in essence what will happen is there'll be more focus on extra regulation in your sector than on the funding side, Tyke? Yeah, absolutely. And look, regulation is important. Regulation has a key, key role to play. It's not about, um, you know, railing against regulation at all, but regulation needs to be proportionate. And clearly, there are significant funding implications of it in every sector, whether it's nursing homes or indeed the farming community or the banking sector. Regulation has a, has a cost, ultimately, uh, and we've got to invest in that. Um, I mean, clearly, we've seen, you know, the budget in the, in the health service generally gone from, you know, 13 billion to 17 billion. So the funding is there. Uh, what we're saying is that the funding that's there currently needs to be divided up properly and it needs to be focused on the resident care needs. So if a resident has a higher dependency uh, or a diagnosis of dementia, for example, then that should carry uh, a, a, um, a funding mechanism that recognises those care needs. And that's, a, that's not just us saying it. The SRI have said it, the Comptroller and Auditor General. Um, so there is, a, there is a recognition there that a dependency-led payment is the way to go. Yeah. But there isn't the appetite there, unfortunately, or the drive in terms of the Department of Health and Government to make that a reality. Okay, well, we'll keep a close eye on I think the expert panel as well and Brian McHenry who was part of that uh, I remember him very clearly stating that fact that mm-hmm. clearly it makes sense not to look necessarily at the bed but at the person in the bed and what their needs and will be and how complex they are and the costs attached to that. Well, thank you, Ty Daly uh, from uh, Nursing Homes Ireland, CEO, and Donna McCarthy from here in Limerick, Riverbrook Nursing and Respite. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.